right, welcome back, Seahawks fans, to another episode of the Seahawks Nest Podcast. I'm your host, Nathan Santo, joined, as always, by the Timon to my Pumba. It's Kevin Garber. Kevin, how you doing? Uh, you know, I have no worries for the rest of my days yeah, and you're, because we made the playoffs. You're wisecracking meerkat, bro. You, you crack wise. And then our very own Zazu. That's right. It's Eric Ronnebeck. Eric, how you doing? Man, I'm feeling great because we're in the playoffs. I don't really know what Zazu does in the movie, but I'm not a jackal, so that's pretty sweet. They describe him as Mufasa's little stooge. All right, so. Accurate. So last week, the Seahawks got right onto the struggle bus, and they said, hello, we are going to limp our way into these playoffs with a ugly win against the Arizona Cardinals. So let's... After every punt... Russell Wilson went to Pete Carroll and said, "We we don't need this one, right?" Uh, so, I'm gonna let's start on offense because I just want to get it out of the way. Uh, offense in this game, um, uh, we ran almost no plays and did very little with it. <laughs> it was 63 plays, which actually like is a pretty average play count for us. Right, but we only had 20. Okay, fine. We we ran almost no passes and yes. we're clearly just trying to finish the game. When Kevin said plays, when you he say meant almost like no passes, you mean that plays. like we we drop back to pass. Uh, I think, let me look. We dropped back to pass 28 times and got sacked seven of them. I have six sacks on mine. How many pressures? Pressures? All the pressures. I was going to say. So many. 72. Uh, Allowed pressure chart says that we allowed 11 pressures total. Uh, Yeah, Jermaine Fetty cannot play guard. Yeah, guess what? Ethan Posich cannot play offensive line. He may be able to play center. We'll never know. Well, it is George Fant was not great in this game. I disagree with the uh, PFF rating. He gave up two pretty ugly sacks, though. That's where most of the rating comes from. And if you look at the plays where he gave up sacks, one of them, if they're thinking the same plays I am, it was because of Fetty never passed off a guy on a stunt. And that happened several times during the game. A Fetty at guard is rough. A Fetty cannot pass a dude off. Uh, I didn't think everyone on the offensive line except Dwayne Brown had a pretty bad day. And then Britt, I think it's a trickle-down effect. Britt has to play in between Posich and Effetti. This, yeah, he's the meat in the suck sandwich yeah, there, it's, and it's, it's really like, rough. It was like, ugh. Effetti has has played pretty admirably, I feel like, at right tackle this year. Um, he's been not great. He's been fine. But like, but like, he's been good in pass protection and good enough in run blocking that it hasn't ruined our, our run game. I feel like if you'd have put Fant next to Fluker, you'd have had a decent blocking. I agree. I there. think Fant has a better future than Effetti uh, as far as his team goes because, what, Effetti's up for contract after this season? Uh, and Fant is our extremely versatile tight end, and I just don't think there's a. I don't think the delta between Fant and Effetti is going to justify a second contract for Effetti, whatever he gets. No, unless it's like almost nothing to be a backup, and I think it's better just moving along. Yeah. So, um, so we got so that that's that, that's out of the way. Then we can t- stop talking about the offensive line, which I did not want to talk about very much. Let's uh, let's go to Russ. Russ's passing <clears throat> direction. And pressure chart. Uh, he rusted an okay game, uh, except for you know he passed for his life when he's under pressure and when he was blitzed. He was he went okay under pressure two for seven. When he was blitzed five for thirteen. Uh, just had a rough day. Like whenever they brought the heat, he was not prepared for it. Uh, it just looked like they were they were not ready to to handle that at all. Uh, can I talk about the interception real quick? Yeah, please do. I went back and watched it about four or five times. There's there's two things that happened there. Number one, Moore did not fight for the ball very well. To the extent where it's like he didn't realize the DB was breaking on it. In my opinion, after watching it several times, I think the DB there got got there early and was very lucky not to get a DPI call. 
but I think Moore just kind of yielded the space and was trying to make a hands catch instead of getting in there with his body and shielding the ball. Um, it reminded me a lot of the infamous goal line play in some ways. Yeah, I saw the hand, the the hands attempt as opposed to the body. I don't think he was ready for it. Um, I didn't like the crowd booing wanting the DPI. Both guys were going for it, and honestly, the Cardinal guy was in a much better position to make that catch, unfortunately. He was in a much better position because he went through the wide receiver before hey man, the ball got there. He caught the that ball. That was not a legal he play. He caught the ball. It's, uh, but regardless, that was kind of symptomatic of the game. It was a lot of, like, the Seahawks couldn't really finish drives. Weird errors, like we had drops. In Weird game. mistakes and errors. It was just, It was a sloppy game on both parts. Um, like Lockett's the only guy I feel comfortable like saying like, yep, he had like a really really good game. On, Carson on had offense. a good game, and uh, he had his Carson, long run that sixty one yes. yarder. Carson had a good game. I agree, and and I thought uh, I thought Brown was good. Like Brown Brown yeah, and Brown's Brown always good. Has been a rock on this offensive line. Yeah, but Carson goes goes nineteen for one twenty two, sixty one yards after contact, um, sixty one yard run. Yeah, he had a good game. Davis had a pretty good game. Seven rushes for forty four yards. He had a touchdown as well. Penny did not. In um, a needed yeah. a needed touchdown. That run by Carson was great, mainly because the play call on that side of the field really impressed me. I'm not ready to like you know give Schottenheimer the keys to the kingdom or anything, but I was just a little impressed with it. Dude's Probably. a bang average OC. I, I'd, I'd say a little better than that. I want to give him a little bit more. Ed credit. Dixon had a great running day. One rush for nine. <laughs> <laughs> was that on the little flip behind on the pressure? Yes. Yeah, that was a, that was a very Russell Wilson play. Okay. Um. um me just, screaming at my TV. Do we have to talk about? That? Do we have to talk about this offense anymore? No, I want to talk about special teams next. Oh, okay, let's skip. Let's skip defense. I thought the defense played ooh, decent. Ooh, so. Kevin, uh, Kevin's we'll, we'll, gonna. We'll wrap up with defense because that's what I have the best things to Kevin's say. Kevin's gonna be defense. a little give a little tough love, maybe. Uh, I'm gonna give a little tough. I hate you to <laughs> anyone trying to block for Michael <clears throat> Dixon. That was a joke. Trying. That was okay. I understand. Not we only. are riddled with injuries. We're thin, and I guess people who shouldn't be playing at all are now playing on special teams is what's happening, because we had just a slop special teams day. The long punt return that we gave up um, to set up one of their scores. There's only one guy. The only one guy made it, actually made it down to the to the kick, and it was yes. Thorpe. And then Thorpe... Thorpe Go, he overruns it a little bit, and there's no, and it causes the returner to have to yeah, take a certain path. He kind of corrals path. him like you would want, and yeah. then there's just no one there. There's no one there. There's like no one within ten yards of the guy. It's it like, was, oh, it was, it was a Thorpe. Joke. Or, it was Thorpe or nothing, I guess. Yeah, they were just all watching Thorpe, going, "Yeah, he's got it. Easy, easy." Yeah, and uh, they didn't even credit. They didn't even credit Thorpe with a missed tackle on that play, which I think is supremely fair because yes, like what he did is he, he did what he's supposed to do, which is you know he gunned. It's he's a, a gunner. He's a gunner. He goes for goes for it and like he pushes the play in a certain direction. Like he doesn't have to make the tackle to to impact the play. Oh, and then the blocked punt touchdown, basically, mm-hmm. um, yeah. which is what made this a close game. Because without that, it's 27-17 and doesn't feel even close. Well, uh, Ed Dixon isn't... I'm sorry. <laughs> Michael Dixon. Michael Dixon. Dixon. Hey, man. I only got room in my heart for one Dixon at a time, and Ed just really... He only has room right. inside for one Dixon right at a time. Getting, right now you're yeah. getting double Dixon. Though. I knew you liked it. Uh, Michael Dixon, he, he's not a slow-release guy. It's not. It doesn't make any sense to me that he would get a pump blocked. And I'm, I'm a little... Thank you, Kevin, for that. <laughs> I'm a little, uh, I'm a little disappointed at the, in the special teams coaching for that reason. There, there had to be something there. Like I don't believe that every single player just decided to take multiple plays off. Yeah, it's like it got blocked, kind of. 
and then like you know what we're just not going to change anything so then it gets blocked worse like it, it was it was weird. devastating like that was that's that is that and the interception are what made this a close game without those this was our defense dominating and our offense doing just enough in the sloppy game. it was such a cardinals home game and i'm sick of playing like this against this shitty team <laughs> sorry that's swear a, jar. that's a nickel for the swear jar all right, so we're going now to defense. Are we ready? Yeah, let's go to defense. Okay, so defense. Um, I'm going to talk. If we're cruising, it's because we don't want to talk about this game because yeah, it sucked. it sucked. But, okay, they, <laughs> they did give young guys some burn, especially along the defensive line. Uh, Puna Ford played 28 snaps and played fantastic. Uh, two two pressures, five her, five run stops. He's my special boy. Um, he's, <laughs> we, me and Kevin were all over this from, like, the first day. I said he's uh, Jarrell Casey light. Uh, you know, he's like. He's a, he gets low leverage. He's a really good football player, and he's bared that out um, completely. Uh, they gave uh, Jacob Martin 42 snaps in this game. Which oh, is, dude played. Which is too many, but he played good. Oh, man. Uh, he was every big pressure. He was in on it. Yeah. He was in on both uh, sack fumbles. Yeah. yeah like uh, he forced, one of those fumbles was just all him. Yep. That was that dude played his butt off. Yeah, he, he played really good. I he I, looked like what we wanted Deion Jordan to provide. I don't know if if Rest Jacob what Jacob Martin's future holds. You know, like whether he can be a defensive end for the Seattle Seahawks. Like he not, just might never fit the body profile perfectly. He might always be a specialist. But as far as but effort goes, and, I mean, he's just really good. And and what's going to happen is he's going to play out his rookie contract here, be pretty good, get maybe like seven, eight sacks. He's going to go to a three four team and be like amazing and we're all gonna be like no why didn't we just switch to a three four <laughs> then then, uh, then we're gonna look at puna ford and uh jaron reed in the middle and we're like oh that's why well i mean those guys can play next to each other in my opinion like you play puna on the nose you put jaron reed on the on the end the, the player who doesn't fit is frank clark which is frank clark would which, be the other end which is unfortunate because frank clark is is the best uh for uh six pressures in this game, two stops. He was fantastic again. Frank Clark continues to like lead the defense. Reed got up to ten and a half sacks as a guy who apparently couldn't rush the passer coming out of college. Yep, he's 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 learned what to do. Uh, there are only thirty four snaps in this game. He got two two sacks. It's pretty awesome. Quentin Jefferson had a solid game. Yep. Uh, uh, Bobby Wagner, very good at football. Ten tackles. I. Uh, Four run stops. A Robert Wagner. They targeted. Has- they targeted. They targeted him a lot in the pass game. He gave up seven, uh, six, six receptions on seven pass attempts, but he only gave up twenty yards after the catch, which for six passes is pretty freaking good. So you know they they went after him a little bit, but he was able to hold his own. He also they also asked a lot of him. He some of the guys he was covering are guys that like. Bobby Wagner should not be covering. Yeah, like um, uh, like Johnson. No, like Larry Fitzgerald. That too. <laughs> well, a, Larry Fitzgerald's kind of a tight end now. Uh, Let's be honest. He's, he's a really so, good pass catching so tight end. Um, okay, he's an elegant uh, KJ tight end. Wright looked much better. Yeah, he looked. He ready. looked like yeah. yeah, he looked like he shook off the rust last game, and now he's actually back. Yeah, he's he's ready for playoffs. Um, Delano Hill played really good in this game, and then got hurt. He's on IR now. Shaquille Griffin uh, was playing the run really well, Tedrick's and then he back. got hurt and turned an ankle. Yeah, Sha- Shaq is. It, so okay, Shaq had three run stops in this game. What's the what's the injury prognosis with Shaquille Griffin? Is he going to be back next? Uh, week? He just yeah. rolled an ankle. He was questionable for the rest of the game. He really so wanted no to come back in too. And I read some it was in an interview with him, but it was like a guy on the sideline said that he was irritated because he wanted to go in and actually work on his you know so getting ready for the playoffs. But he should he should play for all the hand wringing I gave the offensive line at the beginning of this podcast. I just want to say that um, I mean it we was all know Fluker's going to be back. And they they're just kind of saving him for the playoffs. 
And Sweezy could be back, They too. don't know, like, what he's got in terms of, like, they know he's healthy enough to play, but they don't want to push it and have him get hurt in games that they don't that they don't think matter. And so they didn't play him for the last, like, five... They, I mean, they, you saw they brought him in when some, when we had really big injury problems in one game. They brought him in for a couple plays, but they would prefer they were preferring to just hold him back for the playoffs. So I'm pretty sure you're going to see a, a nice, healthy dose of DJ Fluker. And Shaquille Griffin, um, I don't know, he, he, he seems hurt, but... Wait, when it was the quick skill position Carol, player, you always said it was uh, leaving the Lamborghini in the garage. With Fluker, is it like uh, you're leaving, leaving the, the Sherman tank yeah, in the garage? Exactly. No, we, have, we, we already have, have a an, Sherman tank. Leave, leaving so the John Deere in the M1 garage. Ga- we have an M1 Abrams in the garage. We'll, a bulldo- <laughs> we'll put the bulldozer in the in the, in the, in the hangar. Or we got the... It's uh, whatever the, the big plow they put on the front of trains when it's going through the snow. Okay, but what I was going to say is Shaq Griffin... <laughs> He got hurt, and he's like 50-50 to play this week. I thought Akeem King played good in this game. Uh, I, I don't know if it's because Arizona has deficient cornerback talent or wide receiver talent or what, but he was fine. He was perfectly serviceable in that role. Ah, he gave up that touchdown. I am not comfortable with Akeem King because he is bound for a couple they, of bad they, plays again. They went after him, but, I mean, their second receiver is Chad Williams. That's the that's the yes. thing I don't know. It's like Chad Williams is hot trash, and the, the second receiver for for the da- Dallas is way better than Chad Williams. So that's where I'm at with Akeem King. Like I'm not sure. Thor played a couple snaps. He was fine. Also got to cover Chad Williams, which means that he did good. Uh, <laughs> uh, that's pretty much it for for me on defense. Any other notes you guys wanted to pick up before we move on to previewing the wild card weekend? Not really. I mean, I I was impressed with Delano Hill, but he's he's dead now. So. Uh, yeah, we're supposed to have uh, Tedrick's supposed to be back. So we'll have Tedrick back. We'll have Brad back. We should have both of our starting corners. Um, the defense will look the healthiest it has in a while. Uh, Brad for looks next fine. Week. Brad looks fine. That's Brad's back. Tedrick's back. Uh, yeah, you're right, Kevin. It should be like because KJ's back. It should be so. We should have our actual defense minus Earl. Minus Earl, which basically this season has been our actual defense. Okay. So, Earl was great when he played, though, so that's kind of why I'm... Uh... Okay, all right, let's get to the Dallas Cowboys. The Seahawks met the Dallas Cowboys in week... Way back! Way back in week in three. the way back machine. Uh, it was a home game. It was a home game. The Seahawks won 24-13. to um, But... And then now the Seahawks will head to Dallas, so we'll go on the road, and the Seahawks will be a one-and-a-half-point one dog to the Dallas Cowboys... Um, Seahawks Twitter is a buzz with confidence in the Seahawks victory. Eric, start with you. Yeah. How are you feeling heading into Dallas? Well, Nathan, uh, I'm gonna give the audience a little backstory in the uh, the chat earlier. Oh, I was gonna. Yeah, I was I was, gonna surprise him. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna reveal it. But I will say that you are. Uh, you're. You're on Earth level, and I'm not in the stratosphere. But I am definitely under the belief that the Seahawks will win this game. They will win it uh, without too much trouble. I think this is a game we should win, if only because Dak Prescott is a level above hot garbage. He's extremely inconsistent. Uh, Watching most of that Dallas game on Sunday was, ugh, that was awful. Why did they leave him in with all the backup offensive linemen? That's like so cold-blooded. I think, honestly, everyone <laughs> said that, and I think it was... Be- everyone asked that, I should say, but I think it was because... I they carry two quarterbacks on their roster. Really? They I might have no not. idea. Um, I thought it was because they wanted to give him some confidence that he obviously needs going to the Their playoffs. backup quarterback's name is Cooper Rush. 
Oh, that's a Dallas oh, quarterback name a, of five ever Central heard. Michigan. He is a red-headed quarterback from Central Michigan. Kevin loves this guy. He knows a lot about him already. <laughs> I actually do like Cooper Rush. There he, you is go. A, he is a mediocre backup. Hey, you guys can't give me any crap because I was right about Carolina. So No, second. yeah, you were. You, you called it. No, I'll what, say what, that. What about Carolina? I said Carolina was going to win because they're ba- uh, because the quarterback was playing this? was good. And you're like, oh, you're all excited about Carolina. I was right. Yes. Kevin was. Kevin. Oh, was, that, was that against New Orleans? Yeah, uh, the, or no, um, that was, was in, no, last week. Yeah, against New Orleans. In was week it? 17? Yeah, against yeah, Teddy yeah, Bridgewater. Yeah. yeah, New Orleans didn't try to win very hard. I don't care. Don't tell I Teddy Bridgewater Kyle that. Allen was going to win. I was don't right. tell Teddy Bridgewater that. He's crying somewhere. He had a bad game. <laughs> like a real no, bridge over troubled water. <laughs> All right, going back to this game, though, uh, Zeke Elliott for the, for the Cowboys is obviously something that we need to contain, but I think we will contain it. Amari Cooper and Dak Prescott. Not as consistent or as great as one would have you believe. Just look at the numbers between the games. They're not consistent. I think the Seahawks are uh, going to win, and I'm feeling good. I'm feeling confident, but not overconfident about it. All right. Uh, Kevin, you, Kevin, you want to you wanna open it up, or do you want me to start? Uh, I'll go ahead and bring up the next set of points. All right, go ahead. So you take a look at these two teams. Uh, the previous time, it was the first game in which we really unleashed the Carson. Uh, 32 carries, 102 yards. It was a low efficiency day, but a high volume day. And we kind of played keep away ball. Also, Dak Prescott had a horrible game. 19 for 34, 168, less than five yards per attempt, two picks. Our safeties were really good in that game. Their leading receiver was Jeff Swaim. Yep. And that's a person who exists. Yep, that's a guy. Uh, (laughs) Now, what I would like to remind you is... (laughs) In this game, Brandon Marshall had six targets for Seattle. Um, we had no Doug Baldwin. Uh, Mike Davis didn't see the field. And Tavon Austin actually played. They don't, just always he a does, bad choice. He does not play anymore for Dallas, basically, uh, ever. He uh, played this last week. They, they he, were trying, you could tell they were trying to, like, they're like, let's put this one on film so maybe the other people will think about it. It was like, like, delete the film, delete the film. <laughs> it's just like, and people will watch that and go, they're not going to run that play in a playoff game. <laughs> Dallas, <laughs> Dallas was doing exactly what the Rams did in Dallas bit. Dallas was like, oh, maybe someone will want him back. So the big thing here is, I think Seattle was not playing at peak efficiency on offense, and we still scored 24 points, granted at home, but. This was when we were still, if you think about our offensive line at the beginning of the season, was not as good. And this was coming off of getting just beat around the first two games by Denver and Chicago. So I think our offense is better than it was. I don't really think their defense is all that much better than it was at this point in time. But if you think about our defense, Flowers has improved drastically throughout the season. KJ Wright's back. Um, This was our first game, I believe, with Michael uh, Kendricks. Yes. So... But We're I mean, we had a, we had an Earl Thomas back then. I I think it's I think it's fool's gold to compare the first game to this to this game at all. Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna just say say that because the teams are very different. Cool. Um, so should we look at DVOA then, where we're 12th and they're 21st? I mean, but but okay, then you want to look at Pro Football Focus rating where they're 11th and we're 12th. Like, I mean, you can pick, cherry pick whatever stats you want. I just think these teams are different than they were in the last eight games. Dallas is seven and one. I, I like don't I think people are They're grossly seven and one against who they beat they beat New Orleans that's that was their one win though they beat Philadelphia twice so that Philadelphia sucks Philadelphia's a playoff team Kevin I I don't I think that people Nathan, are really underestimating Dallas like okay. the, to the point where like I think it's a little I don't want 
I don't want people to just think this is a this is not a walkover game. This not a walkover is, game, but I think it's a game we should win. I don't agree. I think it's a game we wow. we, sh- we can win and we we have a good chance to win, but it's not a game we should win. Uh, should win is way way strong for me. Okay, so where do you stand on on their quarterback play on their passing game? Dak in general? Prescott is medium, but he has been significantly better since they got uh, Amari Cooper. Uh, and Amari Cooper, it, it's a dumb trade. Like I don't, I'm, I think people will say like, oh, they went they went seven and two since they did the trade. Like it was, and they made the playoffs. So it was worth it. But giving up first round pick for one year of a guy is is questionable. And four good uh, games. T- um, so that that part bugs me, but. To the to the point, like he did change their offense. He tilted the field, I think, in the a little bit in their favor, where their offense was incompetent prior to prior to having him. Very bad. Um, They're they, relying on a rookie wide receiver in Michael Gallup, and Alan Hearns just doesn't look like anything. And Cole Beasley's decent. Lost. Like he, Cole Beasley's a decent uh, slot receiver. He put up sixty five receptions this year. They, I think they have they have some weapons. It doesn't fix their crappy play calling though. Yeah, I'm that I really do not like that they're going to end up bringing back. The clapper for like another and run. Linehan. That's like it, it's too bad for them. But the thing that for me is that the Seahawks team is like like a year away from being the best version of this Seahawks team. Sure, uh, and that this Dallas team is is probably in a similar spot to us, like in terms of like where they're the two teams are at right now, the way the teams are playing. So um, here's the thing: on a neutral field, who do you favor? Us by like a point. Okay, <laughs> if we play this ten times, how in many da- times in do Dallas? Dallas? In Dallas, five. I think we win five or six. Yeah, it's five or five. We're I five would say five. I would say we were in six out of ten. You think we're five out of ten? I don't think we're that far apart on yeah, this. Yeah, but Seahawks Twitter is acting like this game is a, a cakewalk, a shoot. If you and think you said that we, we should sh- win by a touchdown or more, then you're mistaken. But I think that we are more likely to win this game than lose it. I, Twitter, though, Seahawks me, Twitter is should. is very much in the we're in the playoffs, we're unstoppable. It's like the beginning of the year. You got to give them a pass there. It's also Twitter. Don't take Twitter that seriously. And the real I, analyst Twitter trying, doesn't take Twitter I want that people seriously. to come into this game with like a reasonable expectation. Like they have a fourteen hundred yard rusher. Like Ezekiel Elliott's no joke. In the fir- in the first game he ran for over eight yards of carry against sixteen us. for one twenty seven. He was kicking our butt and then they just decided not to use yeah, him. Yeah, they decided to stop running because they're dumb. So th- this team <laughs> this team is is dangerous. Like we should not go into this game underestimating the Dallas Cowboys. I do think they, if we get up though, then we should be able to put it away because they'll stupidly go away from Elliott. That's what happened last like, time. Like that's what to happen yeah i would like that's to the how we win we need to jump out to a lead and have a good start and schottenheimer has been much better Turn. at generating that first drive touchdown. so in the first game this is why i think it's this is why i said it's full goal in the first game we had angry earl thomas get two interceptions and like taunt the dallas cowboys <laughs> sideline okay so like this and then so he was a very important part of that first win sure uh like maybe the most important part and so uh I, we need a, a we need someone to step up and have a performance like that. Whether it's Frank Clark getting three sacks or um, Jake Jacob Martin getting a strip sack, we need something like that to happen to to tilt the field back into our favor and put us in that uh, favorable position. Um, yeah, they, this is a let's want to go over some like individual matchups that I think are fun like uh, in this game because I think there's a lot of cool matchups all over the field their offensive line versus our defensive line should be really fun to watch uh, their defensive line offensive line has come down a step and our defensive line has come up a step to where I think that's like a that's like a battle uh, yes like a, it should be really really good to watch uh, Jaron Reed work on the inside against like Suafilo and then uh, on the outside you got Reed or Clark going against uh, Ta- old man Smith 
he's like a yeah who 30. may or may not be injured right now as we speak yeah, yeah. He, he's like all been all over the place this year but the he's still still trucking tyron smith man he's still a really good pass blocker he's, honestly if you look their lines both lines have not played that well we have an advantage both uh our our defensive line has an advantage against them uh on adjusted sack percentage and their defensive line is 27th in adjusted sack percentage um and we've got up a lot of sacks but it's like it's a much closer battle lyle collins is like bad he's like needy very medium he's good in the run game but he's like his pass blocking is questionable uh but dak prescott does a lot of the uh the the russell wilson things that irritate me where he takes bad sacks yeah uh, because he like tries to save the play for like way too long um, no, we should be able to get at least three or four sacks. But on. Tyron Smith gave up zero sacks all season in 849 snaps. So, like, if we can get over one, a couple on him, that would be, I would be very, very pleased with that. Um, but now we're not relying on just re, uh, on just right. Clark to get sacks. That's we, the best. Jaron Reed, like Jer- Zach Martin's going to have a, his hands full on the inside against Ford and Reed. Isn't uh, Zach Martin injured? Is he injured? I thought he was going to play. Let me look. Googling. Googling. Yeah, that could be a big thing. Um, yeah, it's a, they said that he is um, he's missed two of the last three games, but he is expected. He's like fifty fifty. Who's the guy that went down this weekend for him? Um, who went who in did, this weekend? Who went? Who went down? A guard for Dallas. Oh, that was Suafilo, and he's he's fine. Yeah, they, they think he'll be back. He's okay. He hasn't played especially well either. It's when you if you have him and Collins, that's a really weak side that we should be able to take advantage of. Like, don't be surprised to see some stunts and things that maybe get Clark over to that side, or if we just kind of rearrange our line sometimes. When I realize that Zeke is going to be someone that we're probably not going to realistically shut down, but Dallas is going to have to scheme against us over the last 10 weeks, not when we had Earl. It's a totally different situation for Dallas. And I think, like you said, Kevin got better on the defensive line. I think, honestly, the, the theme for both teams is consistency. Seattle has it. On offense, defense, we've leveled out in every way, and I feel like Dallas is either leveling down or still trying to find it. Yeah. Okay. So, um, Demarcus Lawrence. Then we go to the other side. Demarcus Lawrence is going to play against our best offensive lineman, Dwayne Brown, in all all game. I'm very excited to see this matchup as well. Yeah. Uh, in the fir- in the first game, Demarcus Lawrence got five pressures in a sack. Um, pretty. He had a pretty good game. Uh, not his best game of the season or anything, but he was solid. And uh, if, if he if the, we can bottle up Demarcus Lawrence and not let him own the game, the rest of their defensive line leaves something to be desired. Yeah, I think there's a second <laughs> part of this too. Uh, the last time that we played was before we unleashed the Russ. He had 7.4 yards per attempt, and it was before we really got the downfield passing going. Remember, that didn't really start until more of the middle of the season. So the two parts of that are... One, they're going to have to be more conservative in how they handle things on defense if Rush is if Russ is gashing them downfield to Lockett or, Bal- or Baldwin. But that also means that Russ is going to have to hold on to the ball a little longer if he's going to make those deeper throws, which does give Lawrence a, a little bit more time to work against Dwayne Brown. And so that's going to be interesting because we're going to be really relying on Brown in isolation. Like you said, that should be a good matchup. And let's give credit where credit is due. I mean, Byron Jones, Jordan Lewis... Uh, and uh, 
Xavier Woods. These they've ha- they've had gotten good performances out of their secondary players, especially in the back half of the season. And that a lot of that's due to Chris Richard. Um, our, our old defensive coordinator has gone into Dallas and kind of revamped a secondary that honestly in week three I thought was pretty bad, and in the preseason I thought was really bad. And at this point in the season, you look at the numbers and that you know Byron Jones is their number one cornerback. He's been targeted sixty nine times. He's only given up thirty seven receptions and only ninety four yards after catch. But if That's anybody knows pretty- everything Richard tries to teach someone about being a defensive back, it's Pete Carroll. That's really interesting. <laughs> Yeah, I'm excited. Pete to, Carroll is holding Chris Richard's playbook. I'm excited to see how Byron Jones uh, performs in this game because he has made like kind of the leap, you know, like a, a bigger leap than I I would have ever expected him to make. It could just be coaching. I don't really know. And this is, I'm not trying to be better words. I'm not trying to be a dick here. But Chris Richard was not a successful NFL quarterback. And cornerback. That, I'm sorry, cornerback. Hey, he wasn't a quarterback either. Prove me wrong. That's my cornerback, <laughs> man. It would be hard for him to be a successful NFL quarterback because he did not play the... the well, he didn't play cornerback either. Anyway, my point is is that <laughs> he wasn't successful, and that doesn't I mean there's a lot of great coaches that weren't successful players. But like Kevin said, you know, Chris Richard is coming from Pete Carroll, and I feel like Chris Richard is... If he's blossoming, it's not... I'm sorry, if, if Dallas's defense is blossoming... It's not all Chris Richard. No, I'm, that's that's what, that's what I think. No, but I, I, I definitely agree. He, probably, he he coached up the DBs. That's for sure. They still have a hard time against tight ends and Shadobi, a hard time against and running backs. Shadobi Awuzie is exploitable to say yep. the least, uh, uh, and against slot receivers. And I think that's where a lot of damage could be done. Yeah, uh, Shadobi Awuzie is like the guy that I want to see us go after. In the last couple of weeks, we've seen the Seahawks have a will, new willingness to kind of go after a weak a weak point and pick Shadobi, on somebody. Shadobi Awuzie, if they get him lined up on Lockett. They should they should attack it every single time. It should be something that is automatic right away. We go after this guy. One thing they do that's a lot like what we do though is they don't allow yards after catch. I think it comes from Richard. Like they that's like a philosophy thing that they've adopted is that they when they their DBs yeah, it's they a might, system they might give up a catch but they're not giving up a ton of yards after the catch. So we need to beat them like Kevin said in the air. We need to beat them over the top deep and we need to attack the the uh, the bad slash medium match. Also look for moving the chains with the tight ends. Uh, Dixon and Vanette should probably have two or three first downs combined in this game. You should see a couple of those just for nice chunk gains. Okay, they're, they're the star of the Dallas defense, though, other than Demarcus Lawrence this year, was uh, Leighton Vander Esch. Uh, they're, the, the linebacker came along. He got They, they decided to go away from their, their favorite linebacker, uh, Sean Lee, and then said use Jalen Smith and Leighton Vander Esch, and it was very successful. Because Sean Lee is probably injured somewhere anyway. Yeah, well, it, that's one funny. Last week is like when Leighton Vanderish kind of he got, got dinged up in the middle of the game. I was like, Sean Lee about to come off the bench like for Leighton Vanderish. This is gonna be so freaking weird. Uh, but these two guys, really, Sean Lee got Wally pipped. These two guys Sad. really clog up the middle of the field. They uh, Vanderish had fifty four run stops this year. Jalen Smith had forty five run stops. Both these guys um, very efficient uh, run stoppers, and it's gonna be up to the Seahawks to kind of make make. Uh, Make that happen, right? To to bust through and beat those guys. Yeah, the thing that's exploitable, Vanderesh still just hasn't played that many snaps. He is an inexperienced player. He didn't play a lot in college. Um, yeah, and so, he didn't, they didn't. They didn't start using him a lot until let's see. They they went in week four. He started playing most of the snaps, but like the first couple weeks, and including the week that we played them, he didn't play like the whole game. But week yeah. five, week four and five, they unleashed him. They played him in every snap from that point forward. 
they were basically like, oh, we were screwing this up. Yes. <laughs> this is our guy. So, so I think you could see the team try and exploit him on reads, like on zone reads or RPOs. You could see them try and do a few things to kind of play with him a little bit. He is a young player who hasn't seen all there is to see, and he is exploitable in that way. I think the exploitation does not come from run. Like, and he's third in the league in run stop percentage. But uh, but the but coverage, passing, coverage. Yeah, he's not like a he's not like an otherworldly coverage guy. He allowed a lot of uh, dink and dunk receptions this year. He allowed a lot of first downs, chain movers. I think that you could see. You know, Mike Davis come in and make his life miserable. Something, something like that. Uh, yeah, that's that's my uh, that's I, I think that's the right way to attack him. Um, and get him on his heels so he can't just crash down on the run. Yeah, don't yeah, don't let him just be a because if he's just a run stopper, that's bad news for us. Um, I don't like that at all. All right, so matchups. I'm watching. I'm watching both line matchups. Um, can can we can Dwayne Brown beat? Marcus Lawrence. If he can, it's going to be a great day for the Seahawks passing game because that their pass rush is kind of one guy. Yep. And um, can Clark and Reed can beat uh, their guys? Beat and Zach, Mar- Zach Martin and Tyron Smith. And can they can they make happen? Because if Zach Martin's back and playing good, that's a that's a tough get. Like yep. that, that that is a battle. It's that's a good player. Be a, it's going to be a fun battle on that. If we can if they if we can win that battle, easy easy day for the Seahawks because I think Prescott under pressure is a is a rough. Rough uh, go. Um, Can we scheme Lockett or Baldwin open deep yep. enough times to, for it to make an impact? Can we get them on Ouzier or can we get them um, behind uh, Jones? Can Russ get the ball out in time? <laughs> can Russ get the ball out in time? And the, then the, can the we continue question. to run like we've been? That's I think that's the biggest thing. The team wants to run. You know they're going to try and run. Can we run... Can we get up by a touchdown and then just bleed the game on them? Yeah. Because that will suck the life out of Dallas. Um, and I think that's basically all I had for for Dallas. Um, that's all the things I was thinking about. I'm, uh, I'm kind of looking Dallas. forward to the McDougald-Cooper matchup. Because McDougald is a safety, but you know his attention is going to be on one Amari Cooper. Um if Dak Prescott can actually throw the ball in Amari Cooper's general vicinity, that's a uh, that that's a big ask, by the way. Um, that's a matchup that I'm like secondary looking forward to. I feel like Dak Prescott's not as as bad as you make him out to be. Is it Dak is Prescott's it, a very inaccurate passer? He's a, adjusted completion percentage is seventy five point nine percent. Like man, that's pretty that's pretty good. What's well, his turnover worthy play percentage? I've so. watched him more than just the last game. Take me so long to look up because I'm not on the is, right, I'm not on the right stats page. He is oh. not consistently accurate, Nathan. I I don't care about your textbooks. <laughs> My advice is worth its weight in gold. That's an office reference. You'll get it. <laughs> I'm ripping out. I'm ripping out the pages to your book. Is what I'm saying. It's uh, I you, I just I don't really care about uh, like if if the Cowboys win this game and Dak Prescott Dak Prescott looks amazing, fine. That's not that's not backing up any stat. That guy is super inaccurate. He's not consistent. There. He's all over the place. Here we go. His turnover worthy play percentage: Russell Wilson two point nine four percent, and Dak is two point seven six percent. That's surprising. Yeah, I don't think Prescott is as bad as as Eric. I don't Eric's, Eric. I know Eric had on his fantasy team, which made Eric hate him. Watching Dak Prescott, true. Watching Dak Prescott pass, 
he is limited in what he does well. Here's one thing. And I feel like it's like only vertical routes, which is what our corners are actually covering. It's actually the opposite. His big play percentage sucks. It's one of the worst in the league. Three percent. His big play percentage is one of the lowest in the entire league. He doesn't go they he doesn't go deep or like make big plays. It's like all a bunch of like boring uh, but I feel like all medium. of his best passes are like to the outside of the field. I feel like he's bad over the middle. Yeah, they're like they're like eight yard hooks to the outside. That's exactly what he does. I can look at the he, that chart. He misses his players that are open. That's what Dak Prescott does. Man, I really I don't understand. I I know you're trying to bring this this game to earth, Nathan. But yeah, like he I just don't see he, how you he did see not Dak Prescott he did like not this. attempt very many deep passes this year. His deep passing numbers are like seven for twenty three, four for six over the deep middle, and nine for twenty eight over deep outside right. Like everything is twenty yards or less, and. In, in that term, like, most things are, like, his best zone is is middle under 10 yards. 113 for 141, 978 yards. Like, his that's one of his best zones. And then Kevin's right, outside short is really good, too. Uh, 104.8 rating on short right passes, 106.5 on short left. I, I don't know, I just think he's, he's above the curve. Like, he's not, like, great. I'm not crazy about him. Under pressure, he sucks. 52%, 52% completion percentage under pressure. Uh, 156 for 82. Like he's, he has weaknesses. Um, he fumbles a lot. Like that's one way we can get him. Like if he, he he's a fum, fumbler, fumble. Yeah, that works. He fumbler? also doesn't make the best reads. Like once you start getting him under pressure, he has a tendency to go to a less open receiver. That's why he doesn't. That's why we don't find him like out here. Um, he doesn't check down unless Zeke is his check down. Which has, is really easy to do. He has 13 fumbles this season. That's, that's, that's a lot. It's a lot. How yeah. many picks did he have? Um, he had like nine. And it's not yeah. very many. That's not that's so, not a lot. But he had... I can actually get that. Just give me one sec. But he had... Um, it's be, and he had two against us. So, I mean, like, you know, we are, we got his number. And right? two picks. Uh, two out of his nine picks were against he us. He had eight picks. 22 okay. touchdowns versus eight interceptions. So, if you just want to blame that on Earl, then he doesn't have a high pick so percentage. So, he had 25% of his interceptions. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's the, that's the thing. Like, I think Dak is, is aight. He's not, like, the... He's not a world beater. He's not going to go out there and Aaron Rodgers us. He's not... <laughs> it's not going to happen. He's Dak Prescott. But he's not going to sink their team single-handedly. He's not someone you can take lightly. He's someone you need to be serious about. You need to... I think up. we should see a heavy dose of Puna Ford as well. Um, I, I mean, think that's very likely. Ezekiel Elliott's the offensive player you probably worry about the most. Right, and putting like, Puna and Reed in there is going to really clog up the middle and screw right. up their day. And, and then those guys can hopefully create enough pressure that it doesn't you know, mess us up when they do try to throw. That is uh, the beauty of Jaron Reed in this game, mm-hmm. is having a guy who's a plus run stopper who can also generate passes a three-tech. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, he, he might be my key of the game. Um, the fact that he is that level of versatile... Uh, he's really a weapon that uh, Dallas doesn't want to deal with. Okay. All right. Um, dang, the Houston Texans sucks against the run. All right, sorry. I was just looking at that stat chart. Okay. Uh, or they suck at run blocking. That's what yes. I meant. Okay. So let's start with Kevin. Kevin, in this game, Dallas Cowboys home against the Seattle Seahawks, what is your predicted score? Uh, I have written down here from earlier today, 24 20 Seahawks. So close to the score I wrote down. (laughs) I'm pretty sure we're all really close to each other because it's that kind of game. Go ahead. Eric? I had two scores uh, of 24-20 and 24-21, but I didn't like the the bland three touchdowns and a field goal. So I'm going to go... Is there a score, Gami? We can get close to 25-19. Actually, I like... (laughs) 
I like 25-23 Seahawks. I was going to say, man, that's really close to mine. Mine's, yes. tw- mine's well, 25-24. Okay. <laughs> Whoa. Um, wow. Yeah, I think the Seahawks, are, it's going to come down to the Seahawks are going to go for two and Ooh. get it on, at the end of the game. That's my like bold prediction. Is that Oh, I had 3 field goals we're, on a touchdown. We're we're going to be we're going to be in a, <laughs> be in a situ- we're going to be in a situation where we score a touchdown and we're down by one and they're going to put the offense back on the field and then it's going to come down to whether we make or break that play. It's going to be something balls in it. My 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 idea here though is that there's going to be some kind of play like that. Like some kind of really big decision play where either we don't make it on a fourth down or someone misses a field goal uh, either their kicker or our kicker cuz they're both kind of shaky. Um, I, I mean, I like Sebastian Janikowski, but we got to admit he's missed field goals. Yeah, <laughs> late, late in the season. That's uh, so, the, he's been great all year so, until recently. So yeah, I'm, I'm expecting like something like that. It's going to be like a razor thin thing, just like last time we played Dallas in the playoffs, where Tony Romo, T- Anthony Romo, got the ball. The Tony Romo shame play it, that everyone slipped, holds against him, and then he sat down and cried. Um, and everyone ha- made fun of Tony Romo for that, but you know what? Tony Romo was really good. And if he played out of era, like in any other era, he, people would think he's like the greatest. But he played in like an era where had every good quarterback. Or and if he played he for Dallas, and everyone hates Dallas. Yeah, or if he would have and Dallas hated played him. in the playoffs outside of that game very often. Yeah, I know. He he had to carry. He had to drag some bad teams to nine seven records, man. Hey, man, that could have been a great story. Had they the Clapper just, rode his coattails. Had forever. they put Romo in instead of Prescott? Prescott's rookie year. Bad call, Jones. All right. Um, anything, any other thoughts? Final thoughts before we move on to the uh, the money zone. Movie? Yes, really Eric or uh, Kevin, you have you on national championship thoughts, don't you? Uh, no. Oh, <laughs> I have the most Seahawks nest question ever asked on Twitter. Oh, oh that's Twitter. right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Joel, our friend Joel, <clears throat> asked the question that just made us know that we were fostering the correct fan base for us. <clears throat> I love this. Uh, Joel says, out of Carson, Penny, and Davis. Which one is the Fellowship of the Ring? Which one is the Two Towers? And which one is the Return of the King? An appropriate question, considering a lot of people watch these three movies over New Year's, since it takes like 15 hours, so you'll be able to stay awake anyway. Pretty much. <laughs> um, okay, so you want to... Which one is each Lord of the Rings? Yep, Carson, Penny, and Davis. Which one is Fellowship? Which one is okay. Two Towers? Th- which one is Return I'm of the King? I'm not going to act like I didn't spend like 25 minutes thinking about this. So... <laughs> Um, here's my my thought. Okay, Carson is the Two Towers. It's the best movie of the three, for one. But also, when you see him coming over the edge of the edge of the cliff, just like at the end of the movie when Gandalf the White shows up with the army of Rohan, uh, <laughs> the he you know you are not going to be able to stop him from destroying you completely. So that's that's um, that's why Chris Carson is the Two Towers for me. Uh, I'm gonna go with um, Rashad Penny is the fellowship. Uh, it was, it, pre- it he presents a bright future and promising start for the Seattle Seahawks. <laughs> and Mike Davis is the return of the king because when we really need him to be there, he provides a solid foundation. He is the perfect uh, number three running back. I cannot think of a better guy to play on third downs and first downs than occasional first downs than him. Uh, and also, the Return of the King won the Oscar as is a legacy award. So, Mike Do- Mike Davis, you win my o- Oscar of my heart as a legacy <laughs> award. All right, heart um, yards uh, MVP, Mike Davis. So <laughs> Eric, uh, I've got a very similar, slightly different take. I like Mike Davis's Return of the King because you knew it was going to happen. It uh, it was all there in front of you, Mike Davis. What you see is what you get. Consistency, it's great. Uh, Chris Carson is the Two Towers because like everything in that movie just 
hordes and hordes of breaking down walls and uh, people running for their lives to make sense. Rashad Penny is the uh, Cimmerillion, which is the un- <laughs> the unfinished Tolkien novel. Um, not the question he asked, but that's the answer you're getting because uh, a lot of people are like, "Hey, uh, this is this is a really great story, but it, Tolkien never finished it." And that's where I'm at with Rashad Penny. I like Nathan said, there's a lot of promise there, but I wanted to go deep dive nerdiness there. All right. So in my opinion. Chris Carson is the Fellowship of the Ring because he is what makes everything else possible. Mm. Without him, the rest of the running game doesn't function the way that it's supposed to. The other piece that makes him Fellowship is the battles are smaller in scale but much more violent. (laughs) Okay. Which Carson has... Carson doesn't have many runs that go over 10 yards, but they all seem to involve large people being set on fire and falling (laughs) off cliffs and other such things. Um, Penny is the two towers because in the long run I think he's going to be the best of them and Davis is Return of the King because he gets all the credit despite being part of a system that works together so (laughs) he gets a lot of residual credit despite he himself being more of a cog than the driving force I think we all three nailed these perfectly for having different answers that's great (laughs) alright so uh, national title takes. Hey, guess what? It's Clemson, Alabama, like we knew it was going to be since August. Uh, this is quite possibly the biggest letdown possible for the college national championship, but that's fine. It should be a good game. Go Clemson. Beat Bama. Uh, I actually have been saying this for a long time, Kevin can confirm, that I think Clemson is slightly better than Alabama. Um, the SEC is overrated this year, and it's showing right now when we record this podcast when Georgia gets the brakes beat off them by Texas. For big no, game, Tom Herman. It's just, it's just the worst. Big uh, game. And Georgia was so mad they didn't get a, a spot in the national exactly. championship. SEC is so overrated this year. It's, it's because we don't know how good the SEC is until we get to the bowl season because none of them play any non-conference games. So, so uh, that that's um. We had no idea. So I think that sneakily, Alabama sucks. They're not well. They don't suck. They're really good. Alabama's but, really good. But they're but they're not. They're I think they're not. The delta between them and Clemson very small. In fact, I think Clemson should be slight favorite. In this Here's game. the thing: they let Oklahoma back into it. I don't think Clemson's offense is much worse than Oklahoma's <laughs> offense. Clemson's defense is about a thousand times better than Oklahoma's defense. I think that if uh, Alabama that's an understatement, all four of their defensive linemen guys might get picked in the first round. Uh, they have at least three. Six, are, at least three are going to. They get have picked. six draftable defensive linemen. Seven, if you include the guy who transferred to West Virginia, became West Virginia's best defensive lineman and is a top is uh, rounds one through three pick coming out of West Virginia. So if you include all people who played defensive line for their defensive line last year who are coming out this year, I can't. They have. I think it's either six or seven that will be drafted. I started my draft. I started my draft scouting, Kevin. There's so many good defensive linemen. Yes, yeah, I told draft. you, man. It's oh an embarrassment God. of riches. It's like crazy. In the second there's guys, round, there's going to be dudes that are just stellar. There's guys that I think are going to get picked in like the twenties because people won't pick them. That in a normal draft will be would be top ten talents. Yeah, if Seattle like, doesn't what's that guy from Michigan? Uh, Rashawn Gary. I've seen that guy mocked at the end of the first round. That guy That's is dumb. insanely good. That guy's like, a sick three tech. Yeah, that guy's like. 
insanely it's gonna be a fun draft all right but we'll get into our draft coverage in the offseason i we have plenty of time to talk about this so uh if you want to support the cx nest podcast there's lots of ways to do so if you want to just give us money though uh you can head over to patreon.com slash seahawks nest or from the hawksnest.com for as little as a dollar 24 a month you'll get access to our weekly picks cast plus other off-season goodies um so i want to thank uh, Forrest, Richard, Tom, Lucas, Carrie, Chuck Attila, Kieran, Brett, Mike, David, Mirza, Keith, Arthur, Frank, Michelle, Matt, Michael, Josh, and Nick. You guys are helping us out more than you guys could ever know. Also, uh, if you want to support the Seahawks Nest podcast, you can follow us on twitter.com slash Seahawks Nest, facebook.com slash the Seahawks Nest, um, the, and then uh, I'll give us five stars on Anything like iTunes, Stitchers, uh, where Spotify, wherever you find your podcast. Wherever you are listening right if, now, go to that place and give us five if stars. There's, if there's somewhere that you like to listen to podcasts and we're not on there, inform me. Every once in a while, someone's like, hey, I like to listen on this app and you guys aren't on there. And I'm like, oh, easy money. It's easy for me to set up, but I just don't know those places exist. So, um, yeah, that's it. Um, it helps that we're on SoundCloud. That, that makes it so that most of the places find us, but some don't. So let me know. Uh, that's it for the, uh, the old money zone. Uh, let's get into our topic. 2018 is in the books. It is January 1st, 2019, and I thought it would be very fun, instead of us reviewing one movie, which we will be doing all offseason, we'll have plenty of time to do that, we would say, what is your, and we're going to do a best of 2018 in a couple weeks, I want uh, Eric and Kevin have more time to let that marinate. I know I need time to let my year-end list marinate a little bit. Are we going to do a top five or a top ten? I'm going to do a top five. Okay. Uh, and, and I already have a... I'm pretty close to feeling out my top five. Um, Same. I have like three or four more movies I need to watch to yeah. make sure. I, I, I had a surprise entry, and I, I mentioned it to you guys before the podcast that you should watch it. I think that movie's almost certainly going to be my top five, and not enough people saw it. Uh, the, But I wanted to do instead most anticipated 2019 so what movies in 2019 are you most anticipated as? And I know, Eric, you're you're gonna you want to save your you want to do our we're gonna do each do two. Eric, start us off. I know there's one you're very excited about for 2019. What is it? Uh, it's Godzilla, man. Come on, it's Godzilla. Is it that you just like Millie Bobby Brown so much? Uh, I do like Stranger Things. So Millie Bobby Brown is you know she's she's a treasure. She's a newfound treasure. I don't know what it is about Godzilla. Like I'm I'm not a fan of the old movies, the old Japanese movies. The original American movies certainly don't want to watch that Ferris Bueller's uh, Day Off movie. Uh, uh, though Jane Reno is great in that movie, uh, is he? Makes it sound more American. Sure, um, <laughs> I think that movie's trash, utter garbage. It's enjoyable trash. But the last, the last Godzilla movie that relaunched this franchise in America, it was honestly everything I wanted. They, yeah, Cloverfield. It was really good. Yeah, they should. They didn't give you uh, as much Godzilla as you would expect in the beginning of the movie, but they let you see what it would be like, you know, experiencing Godzilla from the ground level. Uh, I thought the <clears throat> the love angle, the romance angle was kind of dumb, but beyond that, I thought it was a great movie and uh, certainly a, a great popcorn flick. The two trailers that have released for Godzilla King of the Monsters, man, I didn't ever think I would think that Mothra is cool. I didn't think that I would ever think Rodan was cool. It's kind of hard to screw King Ghidorah up, and he looks amazing. Uh, smashing Fenway Park with one of his giant feet. Uh, with his little, actually, small monster feet. If you look at as a monster, he's kind of got small monster feet. But he's just cr- stepping on Fenway. Uh, well, you know, have you seen the size of him? He deserves it. Uh, it's It literally just looks like... Uh, 
it's awe inspiring. And I, my wife has to sit there and, you know, anytime a commercial is on, I'm like, look at this, it's amazing. And she's like, yeah, whatever. But for me, I just get excited, man. It looks, I feel like a kid. It looks super cool. All right. All right. Nathan? Uh, oh, you want me to go next? Yep. Uh, us. Us is my number one. Sorry, I was watching the video of, of the, the Bevo, Bevo 15, <laughs> uh, the uh, the Texas Longhorn <laughs> yeah, uh, Bevo? bull. Yeah. Bevo charging he charged the, 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 the dog. I think that was a sign of things to come. I should have placed money on Texas. I wish I would have seen this. Yeah. Okay. Uh, the <laughs> it's hilarious. Okay. When you uh, were setting up the sound earlier, I watched that and was like, this is uncalled for. This is amazing. Okay. My number one movie uh, anticipated is Us. Um, if longtime listeners of podcasts know I'm a big horror fan, it's my favorite genre. And I think that since like 2010, horror has been doing some really excellent things. Uh, and especially in the last like couple years, uh, Jordan Peele's second movie, Us, has maybe the best cut trailer I've ever seen. Um, he left some Easter eggs in there that I think are big hints to what's going to happen in the movie. I won't give you my theories yet because I don't know if people like stuff, hearing stuff like that. But I have some pretty strong theories about what's going on in that movie. Uh, and it's just awesome. Like Jordan Peele does a great job. Um, in he did a great job in his first movie, and it looks like he's back again with a. I think it's more of a straight horror movie too, instead of a, a psychological psychological thing, which is cool. Um, I'm pumped. I'm excited. Us looks great. It's a great trailer. Go watch it if you like trailers. It's like literally the best trailer I've seen in, in a long, long, long time. It, it, used, it made I've got five on it scary, which is pretty, <laughs> pretty cool thing to do. Uh, Kevin, what's your number one? Really quickly, uh, Us was going to be on my list, but I knew it was on your list, <coughs> so it's not on mine. Uh, Get Out was tied for my number one movie of 2017, so I've been really looking forward to this project and also can't wait for it. My first movie, there's three I'm really considering. The one that I want to put on this list, though, is Zombieland 2. Zombieland 2. Kevin, of course, the biggest Zombieland fan I know. A uh, big fan of Zombieland. Really enjoy it. Columbus, Tallahassee, Wichita, Little Rock are back. Uh, according to the IMDb write-up, they are moving to the American heartland as they face off against of all the zombies, fellow survivors, and the growing pains of the snarky makeshift family. Uh, this movie did a good job of... If you're going to spoof something, you have to set up the formula and run it well and then play with it. And in the first movie, they did that really well. They had characters that you got attached to. They had really interesting scenes. <coughs> the jokes and, bit were, and bits were really where they should be. The rules, you know, cardio, double tap. Uh, these are some iconic scenes. The whole movie was just shot in a clever uh, way. Uh, the Bill Murray cameo is unforgettable. The, and apparently, both Murray and Ackroyd are back in some capacity for this, so that's charming. Really, the mm-hmm. uh, the thing about this movie um, for me, Zombieland, uh, that two that I'm excited about is that Walking Dead is like so played out now that it's time to re- let's just bury zombies a little bit more, and this movie will probably do a good job of that. Exactly, they have so much more that they can make fun of now. Yeah. Uh, all right, Eric. Oh, originally titled Another Day in Zombieland. Okay, hmm. Eric, you're a uh, your number two movie. Uh, I'm going to go serious since I took you down the sixth grade rabbit hole in Godzilla. Uh, let's go Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. And Tarantino's new flick. Yeah, that's right there. It's Tarantino. Big time cast. <clears throat> I'll tell you this. Forget the Tarantino and DiCaprio, man. That's like... Forget the cast. Forget everything. The subject matter is nothing I want to watch. Okay? It's not a... It's supposedly a tale of Hollywood wrapped around the Manson family murders. Okay, I don't really want to see anything about Charles Manson. Uh, let that let that just uh, guy disappear. But Tarantino, man, anything he does, 
I'm immediately interested. I've not seen a preview for this. I kind of don't want to. I want to take the Nathan Sano approach. Like you said, Kevin, this has a, a, a tremendous cast. There's the... Um, there there was an article about Tarantino. Uh, he got he got someone's blessing. Uh, it may have been Tate family uh, to get their blessing on this picture. That's a big deal. Um, I can't really say much about this movie because I don't know much about it. But uh, DiCaprio's in it. Brad Pitt's in it. Brad Pitt, Kurt Russell, Margot Russell, Robbie, yeah. Al Pacino, Dakota Fanning. It's a Timothy Oliphant. It's. it's it's like Big a cast. It's like an eleven out of ten cast. Margot Robbie is Sharon Tate. This movie is. Uh, I think Dakota it's going, Fanning is Squeaky From is a, a shockingly clever yeah, cast. Yeah, I feel like this movie has got Oscar written all over it. It's just it's made to be. Yes. It's going to to possibly clean house or at least clean house and nominations. You know, it's just it's supposed to be seen in the seven millimeters. <laughs> you know, it's, it's, you can see the popcorn version. <laughs> I just, fuck the mouse. It's a very serious picture, guys. Fuck the, fuck mouse. the mouse. I like feet. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, sorry, I couldn't help it. Uh, all right, Kevin, I'm going to go last because I'm going to blow your dick off with my last one. Uh, all right. So, Kevin, what you got? So, um, I'm caught between two movies. Just pick. Uh, one, so I'm going to tell you the one I'm not picking Just pick first. both. Just tell me both. So, the one that I'm not picking to go heavy in on is The Lion King. The live-action Lion King looks so cool. Yep. When they did this with The Jungle Book, it was really cool. I enjoyed the Beauty and the Beast make. So, I think this is going to be a really interesting, cool movie that i really want to see but the one i want to talk about is Aladdin. john wick oh. chapter three john wick three will be cool uh john wick three <laughs> the thing is it's john wick movie and what i love about it is um it's not coming out for like five six more months i already know exactly what it's gonna be yep and it's not going to disappoint me in any way shape or form but dude this movie has halle berry in it too I'm yeah. so excited about that can we go Angelica see the family Houston, again keanu reeves Ian Bo- mcshane boban marjanovich the expert. Come on, guys. <laughs> NBA player Bojan Mar- Marjanovic is in this movie. Larry I'm not Fishburne. Joking. Uh, that's going to be not quite as good as Kevin Nash's cameo. Oh, but it's going to be <laughs> or good. Or way better. Could be one or the other. Well, Mr. Week. The thing is, only I'm going to know who Bobin is in the theater. I'm going to be like, oh my God, it's Bobin. And then everyone's going to be like, what the hell are you talking about? <laughs> it's like, so excited for me. All right, so Kevin. Uh, John Wick 3, you just know what you're getting into. Headshots. Yeah, it's just there's going to be a lot of people dying. There's going to be some really cool action set pieces. And there's going to be some minimalist John Wick uh, dialogue that other people get to interact with in a way that makes it hilarious, despite being violent. (laughs) I like... My favorite scene in in the entire first John Wick movie is when he doesn't say anything on the phone. I like, it's the best scene. I like in John Wick, uh, <laughs> the thing they do is that that's really cool is they immerse you in the world. They don't like use exposition to like get you to understand things. They just yep. show it to you. They're like, they go, hey, I'm going to a theater or the uh, hotel and he just pays with these weird gold coins. And you're like, what's that all about? You know, like they don't give you the answers. Yeah, For or his, when he gets the body, the body cleaning service. Yeah. That's just a thing that exists in this world. They've made a, a low dialogue movie with a lot of gunfire seem amazingly smart. Uh, I will say this about John Wick. The first one was two shots to the chest, one to the head. The sequel was one shot to the stomach, 17 shots to the head. What are they going to do in number three? Nathan, what are you, uh, what's your movie? Are right, you guys ready? So a lot of people are probably thinking like, oh, Nathan's going to pick uh, Avengers Endgame. Well, everyone knows if that. You everyone, think that everyone, knows know, hate, everyone knows I hate superheroes. It's Shazam. Uh, everyone thinks that. <laughs> oh, but I'm not. I'm going to pick a movie that I think is going to be the surprise hit 
of 2019. That's right. It's Detective Pikachu. Okay, this <laughs> uh, movie, no. this, this is the best trailer. This trailer is so funny. That Pikachu it is should way not, better than it has any right It should not be. be good. It shouldn't be good. This is. I watched it like twice to make sure I wasn't crazy. Like It shouldn't be entertaining. I shouldn't be laughing. I shouldn't be interested. But I am. This movie looks awesome. Like I'm very excited for Detective Pikachu. Uh, the I name of the movie is is so awful. So Detective off. Pikachu. It's so dumb, and the premise is <laughs> equally dumb. Dude, and then Ken, you watch Ken the Watanabe. trailer, making me speechless. Ken Watanabe is going to be so great. Yes, um, he's going to be so awesome in this. I just can't wait to see like what weird ass things they're going to do with this. Because you watch the trailer and you're like, "This is going to be friggin' weird." It looks like a it. This is Who Framed Roger Rabbit. It's the first true sequel to Who Framed Roger Rabbit. Yeah, they're they're really doing like a a thing in this movie, and I'm really excited to see how it goes. Um, So that's it for uh, for me, uh, for Kevin, for Eric. We'll guys see you next week, and go Hawks.